0: Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. Thank you for joining me for another episode when I was growing up, I would go to my grandparents' house, and my grandfather was always into what was then the WWF. It's now the WWE. But I remember sitting and, and watching Hulk Hogan and and Ric Flair and and the Giant and and uh, all these all these wrestlers. Uh, he he still watches it today. I was uh, with him just a just a month or so ago, and lo and behold, we sat there and we watched uh, some wrestling. Though I didn't know the guys who were on it this time. Well. We're going to talk about some wrestling today, but the, the foe is, is, is not an actor on the other side. The foe is far, far more sinister. Uh, we're going to finish up the book of Ephesians today as we hit Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 24. If Journey Through the Bible is something that you enjoy listening to, I encourage you, uh, share it with your friends, share it on your social media account, because as God's word goes forth, his purpose is fulfilled through his word. You can find the online home of Journey Through the Bible at revival-america.com. There on the homepage of Journey Through the Bible, you can download a PDF of the Ephesians note sheet. So you can, if you, if you desire to follow along that way, you can follow along and fill in the note uh, as well. And now let's finish up Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 24. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. This passage is probably one of the more familiar passages in all of Scripture. This idea of being strong in the Lord and wrestling not against flesh and blood and and putting on the armor of God. It's definitely one of the more uh, more common uh, passages in the Scripture. And I love how Paul breaks this all down. He starts off in verse 10 by saying, Finally, My brethren, now this is the only time in this letter that Paul uses a term of endearment to address his readers. My brethren, what follows thus must be important. And furthermore, Paul is letting us know that we're in this together, right? This Christian walk, he just spent the last two and a half chapters, chapter four, five, and the first half of chapter six, detailing how we can walk in unity Together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he ends this final section by beginning, finally, my brothers, my sisters, we're, we're in this together. He tells us to be strong. Now, we're going to be going back to the Greek a couple times throughout this section because there's just some really powerful stuff if we understand uh, what Paul is saying and how he is saying it. And so right here, this word for be strong, it's in the present passive imperative. Now, what, what does that mean? Right, Present means it's happening now. So if I read this today, it is a now word, be strong. If I read this tomorrow, it is a now word, be strong. If I read it next year, it is going to be a now word, be strong. So it is present. It is also an imperative, which means it is a command. It is not optional. It's not a suggestion. It is not Paul telling us that this might be a good idea. He's saying, no, this is a command. You be strong. But then here's where I feel it gets interesting. It's passive. It's a passive word. We're not the ones performing the action. Rather, we are allowing the action to be done to us or through us. And that's why the next phrase, in the Lord, be strong in the Lord, is so important. We're told here to be strong, and, but, but sometimes we feel like we can't be strong. There's, there's too much stuff happening. There, there's too many concerns, too many stresses, so much going, I can't be strong. So how in the world can I read this? And, and Paul's telling me to be, be strong. Well, Paul is telling us this strength that he is talking about is not something that we can conjure up. It is simply something we have to surrender ourselves to and allow the strength of the Lord to flow in us. Be strong is really saying allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord. Surrender yourself to be strengthened in the Lord. Let's remember how much of the first half of the book was focused not on what we can do, but what Jesus does and on his power. And so here in the last part of the book, Paul is really circling back to that. This is a command for us to be strong, but it's not for us to you know, grit our teeth and just make it happen. No, this is a command for us to surrender to the power of Christ, surrender ourselves to allow the power of Christ to strengthen us. It's the Greek word in dunamao, which literally means to cause to be able or to become able. Paul is, in, in, he, he is commanding us to allow ourselves to be strengthened by the Lord. He says, be strong in the strength or the power, of some translations, of his might. And this word for strength is, is kratos. It literally means divine might, rule or dominion. And the word for might is iscus, which literally means capability or strength or, or quite literally my personal potential. So we could translate this verse 10 as follows. Allow the Lord to exert his dominion over your life so that you will be able to live from his strength, a strength that is only limited by his potential. Allow the Lord to exert his dominion over your life so that you will be able to live from his strength, a strength that is only limited by his potential. And obviously, his potential is infinite. I love what happens when when we really look at, go back to the Greek and allow, allow ourselves to see what the author is saying. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord as he exerts his dominion over you. And then he tells us, verse 11, to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now this word for put on, we're going to go back to the Greek. It's an aorist middle imperative. And, and, And what that means, aorist is a snapshot of the past. It happened in the past and it's done. So what Paul is telling us is to put the armor on and don't take it off. There's no room for this to be repetitive action. Put on the armor of God and leave it on. The whole armor of God, he says. It's the armor of God. It's not the armor of Josh. It's not the armor of man. It is the armor of God. It is supplied by God and it is designed by God. So why are we to put on this whole armor that God provides us? Why? So that we may be, may be able to stand against. Now this is really interesting because up to this point in Ephesians, we have been encouraged to walk. right? Walk in unity. Walk in love. Walk in wisdom. Walk in light. Walk in harmony. But now Paul changes his rhetoric from walk to stand. He changes from walk to stand. Paul uses the word stand three times in this passage with another form of the word a fourth time that we will that we'll get to in just a minute. But, but why stand? Why, why does Paul tell us, hey, put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand. Right? Let's, look, let's look at the context of this passage, right? We understand this context, the context of this passage is how to fight against the enemy of our souls, Is that really the context? In actuality, when we look at it, the context is actually not how to fight against the enemy of our souls. It is how to stand against the enemy of our souls. And so we have to interpret this passage correctly. We have to look at this passage correctly to fully grasp what God is telling us to do. He's telling us to be strong in the Lord, allow ourselves to be strengthened in the Lord and His might and His power Put on the armor of God that God has supplied, that God has designed, so that we can not fight the enemy, so that we can stand against the enemy. You see, we're, we're not actually told here to fight the enemy. We're told to stand against him. We are told to resist him. We can see this numerous times throughout the New Testament. Here in verse 11, we, we see that we are to stand against the wiles of the devil James chapter 4 verse 7 tells us to submit ourselves therefore to God and to resist the devil and he will flee from you. First Peter 5 uh, verse 8 and the first part of 9, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour him. What is our response? Verse 9, resist him. Stand against him, firm in your faith. Revelations 12, talks about the people who have overcome. It says they have conquered him. That is Satan. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Watchman Nee says this. He, he's a, uh, he was a, a theologian of the 20th century. He said, when you fight to get the victory, then you have lost the battle at the very outset. You are relinquishing to the enemy the very ground that is yours. End quote. You see, we are not called to fight the battle in this realm of spiritual realm of spiritual warfare. We've not been called to put on the armor so that we can charge into battle guns blazing. So to speak, that's not our calling. That is not what Jesus wants us to do. That is not what he is telling us to do here. This is not a, this is not a battle plan. This is a stand plan, right? We are to stand in the power of Jesus because he is the one who fights for us. We resist, we stand firm, we persevere, Jesus fights the battle. The Archangel Michael gives us the blueprint in Jude verse 9. He said uh, it says but when the Archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said the Lord rebuke you End quote. Now if the Archangel Michael wouldn't even fight here. What is, what, what is our role supposed to be, right? We, we follow his example. It, it is not my battle to fight. It is the Lord's battle. He is the one who fights my battle. My role is to stand firm in my faith. Sometimes I think we're too quick to, to jump in and try to fight what we shouldn't be fighting. We, we we try to jump in and we try to fight battles that aren't ours to fight. And then we wonder why we feel like we're losing. It's because we're not called to fight. We're called to stand. It is Jesus' battle to fight. He is the one in the arena. We are the ones standing firm in his power that he provides for us. We stand in the victory of Jesus. We are not the ones fighting. First John 4 and 4, he Who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We stand in the victory of Jesus. We're not the ones fighting. We stand against what? The wiles of the devil. We stand firm against the wiles of the devil. These wiles, it literally means schemes, deceit, or strategic devious plans. Stand firm in our faith. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So see here, we we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and yet sometimes, so often, we make that the battleground. We have to understand our role in relating to different types of beings. Right? Mankind, how do we interact with mankind? Mankind, do we battle them right do we do we go to battle with our fellow man if obviously you know if that's physical or or even just you know uh, you know with with words? No our, our, we are told through scripture that our interaction with mankind should be in love should be with grace, forgiveness. Our fellow man we should be sharing Christ. we should be sharing the light of the world with our fellow man. And yet so many times we look at our fellow man as the enemy. Because they voted different than us. Because they think different than us. Because they live differently than us. Oh, they're, they're the enemy. And so we have to stand up for right, you know, righteousness. We have to stand for truth. So we're going to talk down these people. That's not what we see in Scripture. Scripture, our interaction with mankind is love, grace, forgiveness. Share Christ, share light. Our role in relating to the spiritual realm is we stand against the enemy of our souls. And let Jesus fight the battle. We're standing. We are resisting him. Know your enemy. That's what Paul is telling us here. Know your enemy. The evil we see around us is the outworking of Satan. And it can be tempting to feel indignant towards people because that's what we see. That's what our eyes can see. Our, Our eyes see the outworking of Satan in the physical world. We see these men and women who are Walking out the plans of the enemy And so it's easy and it's tempting for us to view them as the enemy And to Have this what we call righteous indignation towards them But we must remember who the enemy is When we remember the real enemy is not the people The real enemy is satan and his demons then I can love people regardless, right? When I remember that people aren't the enemy, I can love them even if they voted differently than I do. I can love them even when they march in parades that I would never march in. I can love people even when they, they wave a flag that I don't agree with. I can love people because they're not my enemy. They're the ones in darkness Remember last episode, we talked about how we, uh, we are to walk in light and our role in darkness is to expose the darkness. It is to shine the light of Christ in the darkness. That is our role with our fellow man. Right? We share the love of Christ with everyone. We love everyone because they're not the enemy. And we have to remember who the enemy is. Verse 13, Paul tells us, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Again, we're we're told here to take up the armor of God and to stand. But Paul adds another word here. That is the word withstand. And I love, I love this word. If you look up the definition to withstand, it means to remain undamaged or unaffected by. This is the power of Jesus at work. See, there's a difference between standing and withstanding. If I'm just standing, I can still be injured. I can still be affected. But when I'm withstanding, I come out on the other side unaffected and undamaged. My, my mind goes back to the Hebrew boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go into the fire. They're thrown into the fiery furnace, and, and Jesus is in there with them. The, you know, the king sees the fourth man. He calls them out, and they come out not even smelling like smoke. That is what it means to withstand, and that is the power of Jesus at work. I can stand against the devices, the schemes, and the plans of the enemy. and standing strong in the power of Jesus, I remain undamaged and unaffected. Undamaged and unaffected. Not only can I stand in the power of Jesus, but the power of Jesus gives me the ability to withstand all the attacks that the enemy may bring against me. Verse 14. Stand therefore Let's walk through this. He tells us to put on the armor of God. Well, what does the armor of God look like? Well, Paul utilizes visual cues to help us understand what the power of God helps us do. Remember, this is stuff that's going to help us stand against and resist the enemy. So Paul uses the the visual of armor. And he starts off with the belt of truth. What, what does the belt do? The belt holds everything together, right? You, the, the Roman soldier particularly is where this imagery came from, right, would put everything on. And then the last thing they would put on is this belt, and it kind of held everything together. And it, it's also it also protected and held the sword. Truth ho- holds it all together, right? The belt of truth what holds everything together what protects and holds us it's truth which holds it all together he tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness what does the breastplate protect the breastplate p- protects the heart it protects the internal the internal organs of my chest, right? The the lungs, the heart. What does Jeremiah twelve nine says? The heart is wicked, right? So that's why Paul here is contrasting the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness will protect your heart. The heart is seen as the the seat of, of our being. Right? The heart is seen as like the very essence of, of who we are. And so Paul is saying, hey, you put on righteousness. Where is that righteousness found? It is found in Jesus. You put on his righteousness, and it's going to protect your heart. It's pre- going to protect your your being. It's going to protect your identity because it, it your identity, your righteousness, is found in Christ. He tells us to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Right? Go with the gospel. Go with the gospel and walk in wholeness. There's so many times through this podcast where we have talked about peace as wholeness. And that's exactly what Paul is telling us here. Hey, the gospel brings wholeness. Walk in the wholeness that the gospel brings Walk in the wholeness of relationships that the gospel brings to you. Walk in the wholeness of your identity that the gospel brings to you. Walk in holiness. That's what it means to, uh, in wholeness. Go with the gospel. He tells us to take the shield of faith, right? The shield of faith is this unwavering trust that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do. This, this faith allows me to, to quench the fiery darts. Notice Paul, in verse 16, he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts. It's not, hey, you might be able to uh, extinguish the fiery darts. You'll, you'll be able to catch some of them. No. With the shield of faith, you can absolutely, 100%, extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What does fire do? It burns even long after that which lit it is gone so the language here is you can quench it not just you can stop it not just you can block the flaming darts no you can quench the flaming darts he tells us to put on the helmet of salvation right it's this transformation of our mind we've talked about that here in Ephesians we can go over to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and two and he talks about how you know the transform transforming of our mind, that's the helmet of salvation. That's exactly what salvation does to us and does for us. It transforms us. It renews us. It, it takes us from where we were dead, but now we are alive. We were sinners, but now we are saved. We were lost, but now we are found. That's what the, that's what salvation does. It transforms us. And he tells us to take up the sword of the spirit, the word, which is the word of God. This is the only offensive weapon in our arsenal. Let's recall back to Jude 9, right? Michael battling the enemy. What does he say? Hey, the Lord rebuke you. The word of God is our only weapon against the enemy. We're standing, we're fighting, we're allowing the word of God to do the, to do the fighting. We're standing strong in our faith. We're allowing the word of God to do the fighting. And look what, look what God gives us. Let's, let's contrast this. And this is a, this is this would be a really good space if if you have the opportunity to go to revival-america.com and to the journey uh, through the Bible homepage and download that Ephesians packet. There is it, it puts it really together visually for you. here, what I'm about to say because there is a wonderful contrast here. What God gives us in giving us the the uh, armor of God versus what we are. Without the armor of God there's the, And it puts it in a nice visual way but, but let me walk through it here right? The believer, we're held together by truth But the unbeliever Wavers due to no standard of what is true oh, And if we, if we don't see that In our world today, my goodness like that, that is why That is why We are seeing so much junk Happen in our society Today is because there is no standard for truth And when there is no standard for truth It's all my truth your truth. Guys, there is no pronoun to truth unless it is his, that is God's truth, because his truth is the only truth. And so the armor of God gives us this truth of God, which holds us together. The unbeliever wavers because they don't have that truth. The believer's heart, we're guarded by the righteousness of Christ. The unbeliever's heart is deceitful and exceedingly wicked. There is no guard. And that's why we've seen here in Ephesians, right? What what does the unbeliever do? They are quick to practice what is evil. They are quick to follow the things that are immoral because they don't have the righteousness of Christ guarding their hearts. The believer's feet are quick to peace. We're quick to peace because we are walking with the gospel, which brings wholeness. The unbeliever's feet is quick to evil. The believer holds the shield of faith, allowing him to quench the plans of the in- enemy. But the unbeliever is, is unprotected against all attacks. They don't even know that they're being attacked. They don't even know that they're in a war. They don't even know that fiery darts are being being burned into their souls. But the shield of faith protects the believer from those attacks. The believer's mind is transformed and renewed by Christ. The unbeliever's mind is darkened. Right? Salvation, it renews us, it awakens us to our position before Christ and awakens us to our position in Christ. But the unbeliever's mind is darkened, and we've talked about that so much. That was that's been such a, such a theme, major theme of, of Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God, because it is designed by God, and it is upkept by God all we have to do is put it on and stand firm in our faith because Jesus is the one fighting the battle. Finishes by talking about prayer. Right, We put on the armor, we stand, and we pray. And even this prayer is by the power of the Spirit. Even this prayer, like just... Like if I could just go back to that theme that we've seen in Ephesians of how much of our Christian life, how much of our walk with God is given to us and empowered to us by Jesus and by his spirit. Like even the prayer that we pray, right? Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. Even our prayer is empowered by the spirit of God. If there is nothing else that you get from this study of Ephesians, if there's nothing else that that kind of grabs your heart through all of this, let it be that Jesus is on your side and he is fighting for you. He is fighting for your soul. He is doing so much, much more than we could ever ask, think or imagine for us. It is him who has saved us. It is him who has redeemed us. It is him who empowers us with his spirit. It is him who fights for us. All we can do, like all, the only thing we can do is just say, Jesus, thank you. And I will walk as you have called me to walk. Paul tells us to pray always. Paul tells us to pray with all prayers. Right? We, there's different types of prayers. There's intercession, which is interceding on behalf of someone or something. There's supplication, which is us asking God to work or to, to move in our lives. There is thanksgiving. Right? There's, there's all these different types of prayers. Paul says, hey, pray, pray in all of them, and all of them are empowered by the Spirit. And lastly, we pray with watchful eyes. Right? We, we understand we have an enemy. Right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But man, like that verse, let's go back to that verse for just a minute. I'm a huge fantasy fan. Like, I'm kind of a fantasy nerd. (laughs) And that that verse, like, that verse just almost reads like a fantasy book. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is a spiritual realm at war around us we cannot deny the reality of that there is a war around us happening in the spiritual realm and that can be scary except that we've been strengthened not by our strength but we are being strengthened by the Lord in the power of his might and the only limit is the limit of his potential which is infinite and so we stand, we stand firm in our faith. We stand firm believing that God is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do. That's my job and he will fight the battle for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the book of Ephesians. It has been just so wonderful just studying and just seeing the work that you have done on our behalf of how you have called us, you have saved us, you have redeemed us, you have made us whole, you have renewed us. So Lord, may we respond in the only way that we can, and that is with a yes. May we walk in unity, may we walk in love, and may we walk in wisdom in all the ways that you've shown us in Ephesians how to walk. And Lord, may we stand firm in our faith so that as we take part in this cosmic battle, we understand our role. Our role is to stand firm and resist. You are fighting the battle on our behalf. May we rest in that, in Jesus' name.